Welcome to our Season 5 bonus episode, Checking In with Ron Montgomery, founder of The Six Juice Company. And if you haven't heard the original Turning Your Passion into Profit interview, it is well worth listening and is available wherever you find our podcast series. When I first met Ron, he is an imposing figure standing 6 feet 10 inches tall. He looks like an NFL lineman, but you soon realize his strength lies in his passion for helping others and his resilience and positive outlook when talking about his company. Ron's products are based on the all-natural juicing formulas he developed for his mother when she was fighting cancer. Far from the early days of creating juices in a kitchen blender, the Six Juice brand is sold in a number of regional stores, on the company website, and now in his Sable, New York retail operation. I last spoke with Ron in 2019 as he was expanding his fledgling business. Ron, welcome back to our podcast series. Good to be back, John. How are you? Very well, thank you. And before we get into our discussion about how the business is going, I wanted to ask because anyone who listened to our initial broadcast, which was back in December of 2019, knows that your mother, uh, Willie Mae, was really the inspiration and the passion behind creating your business. And she successfully, at the time, uh, beat stage four breast cancer. How is she doing? Well, she's doing good. Still driving her son crazy as usual, <laughs> which is a good thing. But uh, now we can add, uh, she successfully beat COVID. So we can add that to the list of things she beat. So That's great to hear. Obviously, I mean, that'll be part of our discussion today <laughs> about how the pandemic impacted your business. In fact, why don't we begin with that? We spoke back in 2019, in December of 2019. And since then, we've gone through the pandemic. And during this phase, and I'm not sure exactly when, but when did you open the market in Sayville, New York? I opened November 1st, 2020. And what was the reasoning behind opening a retail operation? During the pandemic, everyone was kind of stuck in the house, obviously. So I had all this product, and what I did was I just knew people needed help. They needed something to help them get better, feel better. So I advertised on my Instagram. I was selling six packs of juice and got in my car and uh, me and my wife and just went and we, uh, you know, we drove around and we sold juices, you know, to people and this response was overwhelming. I didn't expect to get that response. I said, yeah, you know, a couple of people here and there. I had sold out. The first day I did it, my phone rang all morning and all afternoon I had sold over 200 juices by, let's say I started at 10. By 12 o'clock, I was taking orders for the next day because I had sold out. That is great. What the pandemic did to your business was that initially you really had to sort of pivot and figure out ways to getting product in people's hands because everyone was sort of in a lockdown. Yeah. So what happened was I was in a very bad car accident in January of 2020. One of my workers that worked for me, he had a little fender bender while we were on the side of the road. Uh, we were sitting in my truck, and I was rear-ended by another vehicle that placed us in the hospital. And pretty bad accident. We both survived, came close to not making it, but we did. So while sitting at home and seeing what I needed to do as far as helping people get healthy, I was like, you know what? It's time. And it just felt right. It just felt right. So I said, I'm going to open up a juice wall. Called on my friends, told them my idea. They told me I'm absolutely crazy, but they're with me. And they said, you know, one thing is that you will make it work. You're going to make it happen. And I did. 
Well, congratulations for that, because for many people, yeah. the idea of opening a retail operation, and again, it was sort of like began to wind down, but certainly we were still in the midst of the pandemic, was sort of counterintuitive. People were shuttering retail operations, not opening them. So good for you. So one of the questions I have for you is, why Sayville? What did you see in that market space that you thought, this is a great place to open my juice business? John, you know, it's about me. I'm a risk taker, right? You know, I'm, I'm a big risk taker. Mm-hmm. So opportunity was there to create a business. Like, you're right. A lot of people were closing business. So the deals were on the table then because a lot of landlords needed to fill their retail space. Right. So what I did was me and my brother, we went out. I must have looked over times and times of location. Every time I looked in the area, I would expand to another area. So then, you know, I got rejected a few areas. They weren't too keen on me putting in Juice Bar, for whatever reason it was, um, in that town, which is fine. And then I get to Fayetteville, and it just felt comfortable. I met the landlord, and as soon as me and him talk, we hit it off right away. We started laughing and joking. And, and you know, I got this place on a gentleman's handshake. He told me, he said, you got to take this arch. I was like, yeah. He was like, it's yours. And we shook hands like gentlemen. And we didn't go back on our work. And we actually ended up becoming friends out of it. So I just came to save on it. It felt warm. Like, you know, the reception was great. You know, I met some other, you know, businesses in the area. And, you know, especially while we were building the place. And, of course, people were curious. And, you know, the town officials had to vet us. And the local chamber vetted us. And they wanted to know who we were and what I was about. And, what, you know, and once they saw that the plan that I had and the vision I had to help, they were all in. And they were super supportive. What I love about Sable is that it's very, very family-oriented. That fits right and in with your business model. One of the things you told me early on was who are the people that really recognize the need to have something healthy were the kids, moms. They were certainly the mm-hmm. first and foremost in terms of what your customer base was. Absolutely. Coming to Sable just made sense. The location was perfect. Just check all the boxes. You know, the store is around about 1,000 square feet. You didn't need much more than that. And I wanted to keep it simple and reasonable. And it just, Sayville has become home. One of the outcomes of the pandemic, and we're seeing it now perhaps more than before, uh, we're at a lot of shortages. I mean, your, your business relies on fresh ingredients. And I'm curious, did you have any issues with the ability to get product to go into the juices? And then more, more currently, how are you dealing with the increased costs? Because we're always hearing about how food costs have so sort of spiraled upward. So one of the things that I did was plan ahead. So, you know, my product is made with a co-packer because it keeps the integrity of the product. So he was able to plan ahead. So we pre-purchased fruits and vegetables at a particular price, but we had to buy it at a certain amount, right? So for instance, if we needed a crop of kale, I mean, another company went in and bought that whole crop of kale from this particular farmer. So we were able to keep costs that way by a little forward thinking. Did we pay just a little bit over what we normally would have? Yes, but it was all right. It wasn't as astronomical. And then the second step is just managing your costs. So you have to do some value shopping. You have to do some shopping online. You have to compare pricing with local vendors. Us being in New York, I was able to go down to Hunts Point Market where all the food and vegetable comes in from the port. And I have relationships down there with direct suppliers. So being able to put in some legwork and go directly to the, the source and cutting out the middleman at times is able to keep the cost of the goods low. For instance, 
we only had to raise the price of everything by 25 cents. So by raising something by 25 cents, I want people to understand in perspective, what is the retail price of an item for you? Let's say one of your juices like, oh, I don't know, Fresh Six. So, yeah. So for instance, like if we want a, a bottle of juice, it's normally $7. So it'd be $7.25. Okay. All right. Certainly not unreasonable. So you have to, yeah. Yeah. No, you know what it is, John? It's, it's really managing your financing. And the way I explain it to people, when you own a business, Money's like water, right? It will find this the fastest way to leave. You know, like you put water <laughs> in a bucket, there's a hole going right out. That's exactly how money is. Not oversaturating the clients with too many products, ordering in bulk, and using the same products to create different menu items. So if we needed a certain type of flour, well, what can we create that will fit in our menu Instead of just buying the fly for one particular thing, we can use it across the board for maybe five or six different things. Or, you know, like with the fruit, if we bought a kale, well, what what are we going to use kale for? Well, we can use it in some of the foods, some of the soups, we can also use it in the drinks. So it's cost-effectiveness, right? right. now we're buying in bulk. So it's just a matter of really plugging those holes up in the bucket financially and just being conscious of what you're spending on. And the key to all this in this economy is to buy in bulk when you can. I've had some of the juices. There are common ingredients, but each juice has that own little particular something that makes it so wonderful. And as an example, I so enjoyed the Inferno 6 that has a little bit of ginger in it that gives everything a real snap. So it brings things to life. And I think, you know, to some extent, by not having too many choices... And, but giving enough, just a, enough variety where people could feel that uh, I'm not taking the same thing over and over again each day. Beyond your retail operation, I know you still sell your product in other retail operations in the area. You're still distributing. Yeah, absolutely. And we got bigger. I think we are currently at, I think, I have to double check. We're around about at uh, 53 stores. Yeah, I think we're 53 stores. And we're looking to get a big grocery store out here in New York where we're doing a pilot program with them. If we do well in this one store, then they're willing to give us all 100 stores across the tri-state area. Wow, that's great to hear. That brings me to a question, I guess, is what is your vision for the company and has your vision changed since we spoke back in 2019? Yeah, you know, John, it's interesting. As you, it's like steps, right? Mm -hmm. Every time you want to go up the stairs, you have to go step by step until you reach the top, whatever your top is. First of all, I'm big on having a healthy work environment for my staff. But I want to continue to put out a good product. I want to put out good customer service. And more importantly, we still want to continue to help the community. But what does that mean? Of course, we're a business and we have to make money. By being able to put our bottle juices in more locations at a reasonable price, being able to now, because as I don't know if I told you this, but we're now franchising, so I've been busy with that. So we're looking to open up 53 more locations in the next three to five years. So we're working on that. We're also working on getting our product into school districts, hospitals, you know, town buildings, golf courses, gyms, recreation centers, everywhere. And more importantly, we want to have our juices delivered to you on your doorstep every week. That's really an expansion of your original vision. I mean, when we spoke early on, you were just hoping yeah. to branch into some retail operations, and now you're really taking it to a yeah. whole other level. I mean, that sounds a great story. That's wonderful. 
Yeah. Yeah, I would tell, tell people this, listen, believe in your product. I used to worry about going out and trying to get them into the big stores and stuff like that. And I had some big retailers contact me. Out of respect, I took the phone calls and the meetings, but I really am more focused on direct to consumer and the mom and pop stores in the neighborhood. So I'm really focusing on cutting out the middleman and going directly to the consumer. And you know that this product was made within a certain amount of time. So it's basically uh, on the table. It's made and it's sent directly to you. You have it, you taste it fresh and you enjoy it. More importantly, it doesn't break your pocket. Very well put. I mean, I think it's brilliant that what you've been building. I commend you on the fact not only did you survive the pandemic, but your business seems to have thrived. So those are all great things. One last question for you. You've been in business now several years. You're no longer a startup. You're a thriving company. Are there any lessons you want to share with some of the entrepreneurs out there? Oh, I love these questions. Yes. Do not be afraid to fail. I fail every day. Every day as an entrepreneur, as a business owner, you fail. But it's only a failure if you don't get back up. How do you describe not only starting a business and running a business in the time we live in, but to keep it doing well? And I said, this is how I describe it. I have a baby. I have my baby, my newborn baby in my hands. I'm in a room. There's four tigers, five lions, (laughs) two guys with guns, six cobras, (laughs) and 19 wolves. And it's we're in a dark room, and I got to get that baby through that door over there, and I got to get through that. That's what it's like owning a business, because <laughs> this is your baby. And everything is going to come at you. Everything's going to try to distract you. Everything is going to try to destroy you. But you're going to do anything you can to protect your baby. And that's what it's like to be an entrepreneur. It's not easy, John. It is scary sometimes. It is lonely at times. But the feeling of watching your baby grow and knowing that you created something and you are, and people enjoy it. It's surreal. I'll be honest with you. You know, John, you've known me since I started. Yeah. It is surreal that people are buying my product, that people come to my store. It is, I like, I feel like it's not real. I feel like I'm living someone else's dream. But don't give up. You just have to do it. Start. I tell all my young entrepreneurs, just start it. Don't worry about where you're going to be in five years. Worry about where you're going to be tomorrow. Very well put. Very well said. Ron, thank you so much for sharing. And thanks for being on our podcast series again. And trust me, we'll look in on your business again in a couple of years. And much success. Absolutely. Appreciate it, John. Take care, guys. Ron made some bold moves when confronted with the pandemic. First, he started a direct-to-consumer delivery service through his website and social media advertising. Ron then recognized that with retail storefronts shutting down, prime locations were opening at a reduced rate. So he explored the area and found a space for his operation in Sable, New York. He opened as the pandemic waned and now has a bustling juice bar and retail store. Additionally, he maintained a lean operation and talked about always being focused on cash flow. When it comes to his supply chain for perishable ingredients, he worked directly with farmers and wholesale markets to keep costs low. Ron discussed not oversaturating clients with too many products, ordering in bulk, and using the same ingredient to create different menu items. Finally, Ron described the perils of owning your own business and the need to always be looking for hazards while you're on your entrepreneurial journey. It's not easy, but don't let that stop you. You just have to do it. As Ron said, the feeling of watching your baby grow and knowing that you've created something that you and people are enjoying, it's surreal. 
Thanks to Ron for sharing his experiences, his insights, and we wish him continued success. This podcast is executive produced by John Rebecki and New York Institute of Technology in conjunction with the School of Management and the Office of Strategic Communications and External Affairs. The Interim Dean of the School of Management and producer of this podcast is Deborah Cohn. Our marketing and social media strategist is Petra Shantaraga. And our audio editor and mixer is Brian Falk from Abacus Entertainment. Until next time.